Okay, so we are back once again. JD, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. I can't believe we're here, 2019. Yeah, man. We we refreshed and ready to go, right? Are you feeling refreshed? Yeah, I'm good. I was the the you know we were talking the the, the um the holidays is a drag sometimes. You need to get through those two weeks. It's cool to be with family, but you know trying to keep going. Though. I know. I I'm I'm like I like relaxation for about two days, and then I got to kick back. All right, man. all right, all right. Well, uh, you know, this is—I say this every time, but this one is going to be special. I feel like absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here with EJ Manuel. Uh, this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, EJ, how are you today? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? Oh, man, so good, so good. So, how do you guys know each other, by the way? Mutual friends. Uh, yeah. One of one of my best friends from college, named Marrell Evans, played uh, football at Michigan while I was playing basketball there. Um, him and EJ, you guys grew up together. Yeah, basically, Morell's from Richmond, and I'm from Virginia Beach. So I think Morell's a year older than me. We both played football. He was Virginia State Player of the Year. So naturally, we just knew who each other were. And uh, it's funny, I hadn't seen Rail in a, in a while, and I saw him. Uh, I was living in New York City during the off season, and I was hooping at this this gym. And uh, some, you know, I heard somebody call out like seven five seven, which is where I'm from. That's our area code. And I looked up, and it was Morel. You know, so since then we've been, you know, pretty much rekindled that friendship and been tight ever since. I feel like Virginia, like everyone's everywhere's tight, but like you guys, you guys are really tight. Yeah. Definitely. You know, we're proud of where we come from, man, because, you know, big states like California and Florida and Michigan and, you know, I mean, Texas, they all get the love as far as when it comes to athletes. But I think we kind of get slept on. And really, it's just these seven, this little small seven cities of where we come from as far as where, like, we think a lot of the athletes. Well, come what's from. the what's the secret? Like, if you know this about about Virginia, like what what is that secret thing? Like what what makes you win? Uh, you know what? The competition level is very high at a very young age. So I would say, I mean, I can remember playing Tyrod Taylor in football and basketball uh, when we were, I might've been in like the fifth grade, Ty might've been in the sixth. I can remember playing Percy in the city championship, Percy Harvin, that is. Uh, when I was also in the fifth grade, Percy might've been like a, a year or two older than me. So, you know, we all grew up playing against each other. And I think that bar was set as a, you know, as a young kid. And I think it really kind of changed our mentalities and just carried on as we got into the higher levels. I can back that statement up. Um, getting to know a lot of the Virginia guys through Marrell and um, Andre and, Branch. Yeah, and, I was just yeah. about to say Andre mm -hmm. Branch is another part of our crew that's that that we're really tight with. Everybody from that state, highly competitive and highly confident. Exactly. You know? <laughs> you <already know. laughs> so, did you know? Did you know back in fifth grade? You're like, man, I think I might see this guy in the NFL again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think we knew we would see. I think back then in fifth grade, you looking at it like, I might, I might see him at the high school state championship. You know what I mean? You only think of so far as a kid, but you know, once we get into the higher levels, and then we start seeing each other at you know camps, Nike camps, combines, things like that. You know, I remember I went to the UVA camp. Uh, Russell Wilson is also from that area. You know, he's from Richmond. So, you know, I remember seeing him at a camp. I was nine. Russ might have been 11. You know what I mean? We're just going at it as kids. And so you just continue to grow. Mike Glennon, another guy. So it's tons of athletes from there, man. Did you ever uh, battle uh, Russell Wilson on the NFL field? Uh, Did you guys ever have a game? We played him twice. I didn't start the first one, and then we played them in the preseason. I don't even think Russ played in the preseason, but I had one of my better preseason games against Seattle this past summer, actually. So um, I haven't gone against him head-to-head, -head, but he's a great competitor. I actually worked out with him at UCLA last offseason, 
and uh, got a chance to you know talk to him, see how he is on the field, see how he talks to his teammates and things. It was really good for me. Is is the NFL similar to the NBA in that it seems like guys are friends now? Are you like friends with everybody? You know what? I think the NFL you still have some enemies. I like you know? it. <laughs> you still got some enemies. I think uh, you know obviously it's a you know a clashing sport. Guys are banging each other and hitting each other, so naturally you're going to have you know, a little beef on the field. Now, obviously, off the field, it's all love. There's a bunch of guys you play with growing up, play with them in college, things like that. Um, but there's definitely still some rivalries, you know, naturally between certain cities, you know what I mean? Like Buffalo, we hated the Dolphins, we hated the Patriots, you know what I mean? So it didn't matter if my if I had a friend that played for the Pats, I still was not going to root for him, you know what I mean? Just like at the Raiders, we hated the Chiefs, we hated the Broncos, so it was the same thing. So when you're when you're in a, a new city, like you, you went to Oakland or, or when you were with Buffalo, do you just instantly hate the other other city? Yeah, it's funny, is it, man. Is it just it's like, uh, it just turns on? It really turned on when I got to Florida State. And I experienced my first University of Miami, Florida State rivalry game. And that was where it really sat in. I'm sure you could say the same, Michigan versus Michigan State or whoever, you know, any type of those Michigan, Ohio States and things like that. So, um, you know, I think for me, it was more, I was more proud to be a part of the rivalry. You know what I mean? I was proud to say like, nah, I haven't lost to, you know, Miami or I haven't lost to Clemson as a starter. You know what I mean? That's something I could tell my grandkids 20 years from now, you know what I mean? And, uh, and be truly proud of that. what you think of that win last night? Great win. Great win. I, I will be honest. I did pick Alabama to win it um, just because they have such a, you know, Nick Saban does such a great job recruiting every year. But, you know, got to take your hat off to Clemson, fellow ACC school. So I'm extremely proud of what they did and representing for our, you know, for my old conference. And, you know, Dabo Sweeney is one of the best coaches in the, you know, in the NCAA. So I uh, got a great young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. So imagine him in two years. You know I mean, that dude played amazing last night. So, and then some of those receivers, talk about some of those catches they made, you know what I mean? So um, Clemson definitely earned it last night, played well on defense. I think they threw some, you know, some things at Tua that he wasn't ready, that he wasn't ready for, that he hadn't seen all season. And so they earned it. Yeah, Man, they earned it. Cool, cool. So, so EJ, what, how are you in LA right now? This I I meant to ask you this before yeah. you sat down. Actually, so I came here last off season. Obviously, my last year was with Oakland Raiders, and so it was you know hopping to skip to come down to LA and spend a few months training and things, and fell in love with the weather, fell in love just with the whole the entire scene out here. Bought a place uh, last summer. Um, got it renovated, so it's you know pretty much custom to how I like it. And uh, I told myself I was gonna make this home. So really, it was more of an investment at first. But then once I actually saw the finished product of my renovation, I was like, now nah, I'm gonna live here for like <laughs> six years, and then probably you know venture off somewhere else. But I love it here. You know, I really want to get my family out here. All my family's in Virginia, obviously. Yeah. But um, so I'm like the lone. Why LA? Ranger. But why LA? Was it? Why was not it? LA? You know what well, I mean? No, like, I I agree. Yeah, I, yeah. There's so much going on out here, and it's not far from uh you know Silicon Valley and you know in San Francisco, the Bay Area. Uh, it's not far from Vegas, which is another I think growing city. Um, and obviously LA is LA. You know what I mean? The weather's always nice for the most part. It's been raining the past few days, but it's great here. And uh, you know, there's everybody here. I, I actually want to get into entertainment and get into you know podcast and broadcasting and things like that in the future. And that's all right here in LA as well. And even acting someday. It sounds like you um, just paying attention to you know where you grew up up and then where you went to college, Virginia, down to Florida State. Mm -hmm. Then you go up to Buffalo. It sounded like a lot of times you were spending New York City as your offseason. Definitely. So, like, you got a diverse yeah. look yep. at I it. I did Miami once, too. So, I got a chance to – well, yeah, obviously, going to school in Florida. It was easy. I knew a bunch of people down in Miami that went to Florida State. So, I have friends all over the place. And a lot of my time was spent on the East Coast. But once I came to Oakland, 
lived in the lived in the Bay for like a year and a half, and then I just uh, you know fell in love with the with really the West Coast. Not even just LA. I just I, I like it out here. You know what I mean? The vibe is really good. Yeah, yeah. You're an East Coast guy. You know what I mean? So like it's it's like right now it's January what fifth or fourth. It's probably forty five degrees in VA, and it's sixty five seventy out here in LA. So I'm not complaining. I'm not leaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll be here for a long time. So it's it seems like EJ, you are. Uh, well, it sounds like first of all, you're a real estate guy. A little bit. You have a little bit of real estate yeah, going a little on. Bit. I know you're a budding tech entrepreneur. Yeah. Walk us through like how are you thinking about your life right now? Uh, it's off season, so you have, you you definitely have football stuff yeah. on your mind, mm -hmm. right? So let let's hear about that. But I'm really I, I want to hear what you have going on. How you think about your career and and what's you know what's next. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, well, my career right now, obviously, I didn't play this past season. I got released in early September. Um, so that's a story in itself. But um, I think the biggest thing I learned from not playing this season, because obviously every September, October, November, December, I've always been playing football, even back to when I was five years old. So really, this was the first fall I really had a chance to reflect and, you know, find new hobbies. And so one of the bigger things is, uh, you know, I would say getting into investing. Obviously, I got my house. Um, I, I have a, re a very good uh, financial team, a Lifeline Financial Group, headed by Humble Lukanga. Um, he's out here in LA as well, in Beverly Hills. And so, you know, those guys align me with people like uh, JB Fitzgerald, who is my uh, my talent agent. So I, I did a meeting with uh, United Talent Agency out here in LA, and uh, they they allowed me, or actually introduced me to ESPN, people at ESPN to do broadcasting, uh, maybe like the ACC network. And then also um, people at Fox Sports. And so I've done like three or four shows, done The Herd, I've done Speak for Yourself on Fox. I'm actually doing it again on Thursday. Um, so I, I eventually want to get into broadcasting. Um, I still want to play football because I'm still young, I'm still in shape. I know I can still play and I, help, I know I can help a team right now. Um, but it's just a matter of if that happens or not. And But for me, I'm looking at my life as like, hey, football is not the only thing I can do. That's not the only thing I'm passionate about or that not the only thing I'm good at. I know I can do other things. And so that's also why I'm glad to be here in L.A. because all that other stuff is local. And so, like I said, the, the next move for me is probably to either get into broadcasting. Um, obviously, you know, investing and all that kind of stuff. You can do that. You know, now with technology, you can do that on the couch. You know what I mean? But, you know, I still like to get up and get my day started, whether it's a workout, whether it's some type of errand or something like that to, to better myself really so um you know i'm excited honestly if if i don't continue to play i think the outlook for my life is still very up and up and i think i'm only gonna, going to continue to learn new things yeah I, it sounds like you're at an amazing point in your career right now where uh you know i still look at you and it sounds like you're still very much a football player right you are a football player but you also have all of these other things you're pursuing that are out there for you and it sounds like you're now taking the steps to to get better at them yeah. and to to prepare. Yeah, um, I didn't think it would be this soon. I, that's the funny part about football for me is uh, when I got released, I was going into my sixth year, and uh, literally when I got the call that I was being released, it was almost a what what really like you know what I mean? And, and not to say that in an arrogant way, I just felt like I had earned enough, I had done enough in the preseason to earn a spot on that team. And uh, just so happened, Coach Gruden wanted AJ McCarron, and so they made the you know they made the move, and I was let go. Did and he so, tell you himself? No. <laughs> oh man. Uh, he didn't. Cool. He didn't. Uh, he didn't. But it's the nature of the business, you know what I mean? It was yeah. actually the GM who told me, uh, Reggie McKenzie, 
you know, he sat down and, and, and told me what was going on. So, you know, again, it's business. So I didn't take any of it personal. I have nothing against Coach Gruden. He, you know, the time that I did have with him was great. You know, he was a great teacher, um, you know, and it is what it is. So I'll just continue to move on with my career. Yeah. So, so when that happens, what goes through your head? Are you, do you instantly think about new, new football options? Or are you like, wait a minute? Yeah. I, like, how long does that take? Yeah. Uh, you know, because we have people listening out there that I think are in this situation <laughs> yeah. as well, whether they're a football they're, player or somewhere right. else. Or something, in, some something. other type of business. Yeah. yeah when you're yeah. let go or fired. Um, and, and again, it was my first experience of it, you know, so it was definitely, I'd say, an hour or two of like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just kind of really had to take it in. And then the next step was planning what was next. And so at that moment, I didn't have my home. I had a home, but my place was being renovated. So I didn't have a place to stay at the time, which is crazy. So I had to figure out an Airbnb situation. Um, I had to figure out where I wanted to train. I had to figure out um, you know, how I was going to get there. All my stuff was still in Oakland. So I had to go home and pack up and then literally leave. And so it was a lot. It was a lot. And uh, obviously, I have a great supporting you know cast with my family and my loved ones, but um, so I wasn't necessarily by myself. I literally, I was, but you know, I guess mentally, and I had the support of my family. So I, I definitely had that bonus. But yeah, it's it's a shock. It's a shock. And um, you know, I never was sad or anything. I just kind of was like, okay, you know, I should be. On. And I, honestly, I was thinking I would be on a team in the next two or three weeks. To be real with you, like I was like, all right, I did enough in the preseason. Thirty-one other teams saw what I did this preseason, and they might give me an opportunity to come out and play. Um, and it didn't work that way. You know, I, I got a call to go work out for the Niners once Jimmy got hurt. And then I went and worked out for the Redskins once Alex got hurt. And both teams kept guys that they had coached in years past. So I learned also, like, it's not necessarily about who's the better talent, who's the best player. It's truly about who you know. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned this, or I would say in 2018. Um, and not to say you need to mooch off of people or try to be friends with people just, you know, for your own benefit, but really just never burn a bridge. You know what I mean? Because it might be that moment where, you know, a, a guy that I played with, in my first or second year, he ends up getting a head coaching job or OC job, and he brings me along to come and teach his, you know, new rookie or whatever. And I have a job for the next three or four years, and I can finish my career. So I just say that's probably the biggest thing I learned. Don't ever burn a bridge, and I'm very proud to say that I never have. And, you know, I've always been respectful of people I've been around, people I've met. You know, so I know eventually the ball's going to continue to roll my way. I feel like that's a, a childhood lesson we learned, yeah. um, like, be nice to the nerd in yeah, school. Yeah, Because <laughs> he could be your boss one day. 1,000%. 1,000%. I think you see that now in Silicon Valley. I mean, those guys who probably got picked on or weren't the first ones picked on the court, you know, back in PE, back in middle school, or elementary school, those guys are running businesses. You know what I mean? Those guys continue to, to learn and they were creative and they made stuff like Airbnb. They made things like podcasts. You know what I mean? Like, those guys are now the bosses. And so, again, I'm not saying you need to you know, be fake or unauthentic, but at the same time, be respectful. You know what I mean? And I think people will always appreciate that and remember that, really. Yeah. I was just about to touch on that because um, I don't think Oakland, your Oakland experience was all bad. Like, okay, right. the, the tail end, yeah, it didn't work out like you wanted to, but, like, I think you planted a lot of roots there because you took advantage of Silicon. I know that yep. through Marrell and right. our time spending up there, but um, – I think you took that more serious than people know. Like that's Ben's world, and yeah. that's a big part of the chance being the audience. The mm -hmm. fact that you know they're gonna know what you're talking about right. when you talk about certain things. So right. just touch on that a little bit. Just yeah. Like, well, I you know I took a couple meetings. One of the biggest things uh, I think a lot of people probably know that I did was Fantex. 
Um, and I'm not sure. I, I think they've changed names now. And to be real with you, I haven't, you know, spoke to those. Well, I keep in touch with them. I'm actually meeting with Sean Bannon. Um, he's like their marketing guy uh, in a few days um, to catch back up. But, you know, that was one of the first things that I did as far as Explain learning Explain what about, that is for I was audience. just about to say, because yeah, to yeah. be honest with you, I didn't know about that. Ben texted me a link to that yesterday. Right. I didn't even know about yeah, that. Yeah, so I was introduced to Fantex back in 2013. Um, it was before I actually got drafted. And uh, basically, it was a company that was, they were creating themselves to be known as a, a brand building company for athletes. So really, to get to put the ball in the court of the athlete instead of the ball in the court of, you know, XYZ company or the NFL or any NFL team and things like that. And so basically, they give you 10% of what they project you to make over your sports career or whatever career you're in. They give you 10% of that money up front and then on the back end you owe like I, I would owe Fantex 10% of whatever contract I earn so say I get I go out and I get a I sign a 30 million dollar contract I will owe Fantex 10% of that 30 million because they already gave me 10% of whatever they projected me at back in 2013 so for me it was a no-brainer because it was a straight cash uh transaction for me you know as a as a player they went out they earned or they raised the money um, and I think they've changed the name and the platform a little bit now. And I actually don't even know if they're working with football players anymore now. I think they might be more um, working either baseball or golfers or kind of like more concrete sports where like football, you can get you can play today and the next day you can get cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the uh, the business pl the business model of using football in that isn't the best. But I think other sports like golf, uh, you know, tennis, you know, they're still making a ton of money. And I think that's kind of those those sports that they're into now. Um, so that was my first experience of learning what Silicon Valley was. I obviously heard of it, but I'm from the East Coast. And so um, I didn't really experience it until I truly got out to Oakland and I really saw how bustling San Francisco was. I mean, the first thing is the rent prices out there through the roof, you know what I mean? So for a box, you know what I mean? And it's like almost like New York City. And so, you know, I took a couple of meetings with different businesses and, you know, just really tried to, you know, I, I went to CES last year. Um, to really get a feel for more tech companies and just you know expand my horizons, you know. At the do, end. do you feel like they're understanding players better, or do you feel like there's still a disconnect? Nah, well, who was they? Are you uh, Silicon Valley in general, like startup, startup people? Mm. When they approach you, you must get approached all the time with with stuff. Do you feel like they're they're speaking, you know, the language of athletes? Is there more? Yeah, work I think to do? I think it's almost the same because I mean, you literally are coming from grassroots and building a brand. You know what I mean? So if you think about it, it's the same struggle. Like with football, you just see it on TV. Whereas the the guy from Silicon Valley, you just, nobody sees it. You know what I mean? You just see the, the end product when they come out with Twitter, or when they come out with Uber, you know what I mean? But I guarantee there was 10, 15 years of being told no or being so, you know, told you can't do that or you can't do this. And then, you know, they just continue to, per, you know, persevere and they end up reaching their goals. So I think there's more in common with athletes and, and people in Silicon Valley versus there's differences. You know what I mean? Obviously, we, you know, as an athlete, you're, you're born with the, the gift to play a sport. But at the same time, we don't have that gift of creativity that, you know, someone in Silicon Valley, like I would have never thought of Airbnb, for example. You know what I mean? I don't know the co the founders or anything. Like that. I actually heard a podcast from those guys. I can't remember their names, but you know, they told some stories where I'm like, man, I could relate to that. You know what I mean? Like I could, I, I've gone through the same thing, but just in a different way or in a different, different lane, I guess. So I think there's more commonalities than there are differences. When you did that Fantex deal, mm -hmm. 
did you catch any heat from anybody? No, nah, nobody. Cause I, I was giving you prop. I was yeah. like, man, you came in. It was <laughs> yeah, like, man. I think the first, like, the first guy amazing. that did it was Vernon Davis. Um, you know, and who's had, who's still actually playing. And so, yeah, I mean, if I did catch any heat, I didn't hear it. So my coaches, I remember my coaches commented on it. I want to say my rookie year, they were like, oh, what's this fan text thing you're doing? And they were more concerned that it didn't take away from football. Um, but for me, no, I didn't catch any heat. And to be real, it helped secure my life and my family's life. So I was very happy to do it. Very appreciative of fan text believing in me and all that kind of stuff. So when, uh, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'd say is like, when I hear your story, I'm so impressed, right? Because uh, we all try to work within systems and you've had some ups, you've had some downs and it now sounds like you're sort of taking things in your own hands. You know, do you think about it that way? Do you like very deliberately? Yeah, I think the best thing, the thing I'm most proud of like today is that I'm not quitting. You know what I mean? Like I, I think even really since I got drafted, I felt like there was a certain like, uh, I don't know, narrative that, you know, this guy can't play or this guy can't do this. And I was just like, how and why? You know what I mean? Like my career at Florida State was great. You know what I mean? And I hope, you know, pretty much turn that program around or I was one of the pieces that helped do that. And so for me, you won more than anybody yeah, at Florida so, State. Right. You know what I mean? I think if anybody's ahead of me, it might be Jameis, who ended up being the number one pick in the draft, you know, a few years after me. So, you know, a lot of it is noise. And a lot of it is people who don't know me or people that really don't play anything and they just have an opinion. So, you know, I used to pay attention to the heat or negativity when I was younger. You know, I think that's another thing that I learned from is you can't get anywhere in life if you're going to listen to other people's opinions. You know, the only opinion that has to matter is yours. You know what I mean? If, if you don't believe in yourself first, like you, you literally cannot succeed at all. Like there, you have no chance. But if you believe in yourself a little bit or a lot and everybody else doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I guarantee like somebody who I think is great, like a Kobe or a LeBron, people obviously, you know, have always been fans of those guys. But I guarantee there's been, I mean, I've even like people still will say like, oh, uh, LeBron can't do this. Yes, he can. Like he's done it time and time again. You know what I mean? Like how much does a guy have to do to prove to you that he is one of the greatest? And so I guess for me, I look at it like if they can criticize someone who I consider one of the best. Who am I to think that they wouldn't criticize myself? So I think you just have to take it with a grain of salt and, you know, just keep fighting. And I think a lot of, in my current situation now, I think most fans or people who would have a, you know, an opinion are probably scratching their head just like I am. Like, how did EJ not play this year? You know what I mean? I think more people are probably seeing it as like, okay, this guy did this in the preseason. He should be at least on a team. He should be at least backing somebody up. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, it just, you know, it is what it is. And again, I'm not going to quit. You know, I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to play. And at the same time, I'm working on my football craft. I'm, I'm also having other things building as well. Yeah. It is criminal, though, man. I, I mean, I just, you know, I, it's I, a business, I, though, man. Like, honestly, I know, I know. early on, I looked at it as like something like, oh, man, this is like against me and, you know, people out to not. Nah, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know, every coach has his right to pick whatever player he wants. And so if you're not that guy, you know, don't take it personal. Sometimes guys, you know, want guys that they're familiar with, and that's okay. And so I would do the same thing. You know, if I'm a coach one day, I'm obviously going to bring in guys that I know that I'm familiar with and I, I know where they come from. I know what they've been taught, things like that. So, you know, I, I have a very – I'm at peace, man, honestly. Like, I'm I'm in such a, a moment of peace. And I was telling my girlfriend the other day, like, I'm happy. At the end of the day, like, I, I, I just – I, you know, of course, athletically and competitively, there's things that I still want to achieve, but 
I'm happy. So that's most important to me. Yeah, I say it time and time again. I don't know how professional athletes take so much criticism. JD will always tell me, well, you would too if you get that check. Of course. It's <laughs> worth it. It is worth it. <laughs> but it the average person just, you know, if one person in line at the grocery store says something, they're, they're, <laughs> they're like, they can't even handle it for like years. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you're taking just heat. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because the one time a player steps out and says something, you know, he's blown, he's made out to be the yeah, villain, this yeah, terrible true. person. Oh, you talk too much. And da, 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 da. But then when Joe Blow at, you know, the grocery store is out, you know, tweeting and, you know, saying all this kind of stuff, sometimes it gets praised and people are like, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? And then they just gang, like, people don't see it as like bullying in a way. Technically, it is bullying. Like, that's the definition of bullying. Like, when people or a group or one person is bashing somebody else. Now, of course, everybody can have the opinion, but it's just funny when the athlete tries to turn it around and say something back, then they have an issue. So well, and you never know, like you might have ignored it ninety nine times, mm-hmm. but at a hundredth time, you just you know that's human nature. Like you didn't see all these other comments I ignore. You just looking at the that's one. such a good thought, man. That's so true. But like I always tell him, I'm like, we can't take all these, you know, the money, the fame, the accolades. You know, we get to skip lines and <laughs> all this different right. stuff. We get not take yeah. something back with it. That us. is true. That is uh, yeah. That is true. That is true. Because I mean, a lot. Of responsibility and good things come with that. You know what I mean? When I roll up somewhere and somebody recognizes me like, yo, you play with the Raiders or yo, you played at Florida State, like it's love. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know, as you'll far take as ladies, it. yeah, you'll take it, no doubt. And I mean you you earn that though. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not easy to make it into pro sports, just like I'm sure in Silicon Valley, it's not easy to actually have a company go public. You know what I mean? Like it's probably one of the hardest things to do in life. But you know, just like it is to actually achieve, you know, a certain level in any pro sport. Because everybody wants to do it. And if everybody you know could do it they would yeah in silicon valley it's just like people don't see that you fail over and Mm. over and over Mm. it's just a massive amount of failure right and they just never see it ever right and they never see those days where you're just nothing works right and by definition in silicon valley like our whole job in some sense is to find that tiny needle in a haystack where you create network effect and you can get something to blow up. Right. And that's what this is. The internet is a massive network. Yep. It's the biggest network in the world. Right. And you have to find something that works. You have to find an inefficiency. Mm-hmm. You have to find something. Right. And by definition, that's really hard to do. Yeah, for sure. For I, sure. I was thinking of something when EJ was talking. Um, I definitely agree with your point about um, there being so many commonalities between the athletic world and you know the tech world and you can draw a lot of comparisons with that. But I was thinking of something like, I think for us as athletes, going back to what the original conversation, when you're five, six years old competing in these leagues, I remember being in elementary school getting trophies. Like, okay, I must be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then middle school, like, like every level, there's some level of, like, accomplishment or validation for us. Like, all right, when you're a junior in high school, you know, like, I'm EJ Manuel. I'm getting recruited. I'm just – like, do you think there's something like that in the tech world where you know, like, all right, maybe I'm on to something? Like, you, you know, know what? I, what I, I actually think that this is part of the reason why social media is social media is because, like, that's that validation, right? You're when when you're saying something, you put something out there, whether it's on Instagram or wherever, and you see people just valid, just be like, yeah, I see that, or I like that, or whatever. Or following, I'm and, following, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but before then, I'm asking, like, before Zuck recruited, I mean, um, created. Facebook before you could get that instant validation online. Where it was like in your day when you're coming up, like you're like, all right, maybe I got a chance at this 
you know, I, I still sort of think it's the same thing, which was like, if you put something out there and people respond, whether you're talking about sports, tech, being an actor, being creative, doing art, whatever it is, it's like, if you put, if you create something, you put it out there and someone responds, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And that can be a very positive process. It can also be a very negative process, right? And for most people, like if you're in junior high and you get made fun of at junior high, like that's your network. Right. You go to school, you get made fun of, you're like, damn, right. people aren't liking my the world clothes. Is cold, yeah. Yeah, it's cold, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, the nice part about what you guys do is, you know, there's, it's easier to measure Right, like that's the great part. Because it's like wins and losses and stats. You can actually measure it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's one of the first things your dad ever said to me. Actually, your dad was like, "Look, in basketball, it's different than your world. Like, we know very clearly, we can just say, yeah, that you know what, Alonzo Ball didn't he he didn't you know score enough points, you know his his rookie year. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's really crystal. What was your game in high school where you like? Because you point, I had a, a few games in high school. I hit like nine or ten threes. I'm yeah. like, all right, I must be good at shooting. Right. For I kind of knew. Yeah. Man, um, I think even before high school started. So my my grandfather um, was an assistant coach at my high school, the high school I ended up going to. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was out of district. So, you know, I didn't know a lot of those guys from middle school and even playing like in the rec leagues and stuff growing up. And so um, Bayside High School is where I went. And, uh you know, I remember my granddad taking me there during the summer to work out with the guys. I'm like 13, 12, like, you know, learning from Coach Moore, my high school coach. And, uh, you know, just getting, you know, reps, throwing with those guys. And then I just remember throwing, throwing, throwing. And some of the guys started taking notice, like, man, what, what grade is this dude in? I remember, like, I'm like a rising eighth grader, you know what I mean? And then I kind of started, like, earning some of their respect. And guys, you know, would give me pointers. And, you know, guys who now are still, you know, some of my best friends, Brad Holloman, Marco Thomas, you know, both my good friends from back home. Um, and so I think that's kind of when I knew. So even really before I started playing in high school, I already knew like, all right, I got a shot to like come in and be like a freshman, like starting on varsity. You know what I mean? That's a big deal when you're 12, 13 years old. You know what I mean? That's huge. You know what I'm saying? So obviously once I got to high school, I did earn that, got the job and played. And um, we weren't very good. And really into my junior years when we really turned it around, I think my junior year we were like uh, nine and three and my senior year we were like 10 and, 10 and something or something like that, 10 and two. But yeah, it was uh those that was the validation for me. So it was more the respect of my peers back then. Not necessarily like the wins and losses cuz we weren't competing yet, but I think it was more so just guys like, "All right." And again, like I went to a uh, you know, a predominantly black school too, you know what I mean? So guys weren't just quick to be like, "Yo, what's like, nah, it kind of like you had to earn your stripes. The people didn't know who you were. Like you just kind of had to show them that you could ball, whether it was basketball, football, whatever." Um and then obviously once you once they saw you could get down with everybody else, I mean, then it was like, "All right, you cool. You know what I mean? You good." And so that's what it was for me. I 100% agree. Yeah. I could I could draw on that like, you know, Virginia is competitive, but I could you could only imagine how competitive yeah. Detroit is. Right. <laughs> I obviously had a target on my back. Uh, of course. So yep. I, I can going at you. Yeah, yeah, but I can relate to what you're saying cuz yeah. like, yeah, they would go at that go at me, but after a while my peers would be like, "Man, you yeah, can shoot." Or exactly. like, that's right, what right. makes you feel I good. think I can remember, man, like and this is probably very elementary, but I'll explain what I'm trying to say is like I remember you just had to show that you were tough. You know what I'm saying? Like I think a lot of times, you know, guys I come I remember coming in and you know, you just had to prove that you weren't soft. And what I mean by soft is like, you know, uh you, if you lost, you will be crying. You know what I mean? Just a little, you know, everybody knows what soft means. And so I think once it's, once you showed that you, you know, you had some 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 stuff to you, yeah. 
you know, that's kind of where I feel like you earn your, earn your, you know, now I ain't going to say street cred, but just, you know, you earned your cred- credibility, you know what I mean, amongst your teammates and amongst your boys. And, I mean, guys knew that they could go to war with you. I'll put it like that. Guys knew that they could go out in the game, they could rely on you. They knew that you were going to do what you needed to do, make sure you were ready to play and help the team win, period. And that might have been bigger, uh, a bigger high than your first NFL start. Nah, nah. My no, first that, was the high, that was <laughs> nah, the high. Nah. <laughs> I tell you, man, that was crazy. So, that was, you know, we played uh, New England my first start of my career. Really? Yeah, Tom Brady. And what's crazier about it is, I don't even know if people remember this, but I had tore my meniscus my second week, my rookie year, going into my rookie season. And I was actually backing up Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb ends up getting hurt. And then they had me as a starter. So I'm like, all right, cool. But I'm literally recovering from, I had just had surgery, like the second week of preseason. So they rushed me back. I'm getting healthy. I'm wearing a brace. My I've never won a brace in my career, but I'm playing against uh, New England. And, um, you know, I guess it was that surreal moment where I just look across the field and I see Tom Brady getting ready to come out for their offense. You know what I mean? And, you know, even granted, we almost beat them as well. I think we lost by a point. You know, uh, we didn't get a, a first down conversion on third down. We ended up punting to Tom with like a minute, 20 seconds left. The typical story, he drives him down, a couple throws to Gronk, another throw to uh, one of the other receivers at the time, and then they kick a field goal to win it. And then I just remember coming to the middle of the field, obviously shaking Tom's hand and him patting me on the show. He's like, great game, EJ. You got a great, you know, you have a long career ahead of you. And just that little you know, six or seven words, what he said to me at that time was like, whoa, you know what I mean? But obviously in the, in the moment I had to act cool, like, yeah, great, you know, great game. Time. <laughs> that's my, you know, that's a peer. But, you know, obviously growing up and watching him, man, and, and just literally every Sunday watching guys like him. And then the next week, you know, we're playing Cam. The next week we're playing Joe Flacco. So those those types of moments is where it's like very special to me. Yeah. And, um, you know. That's, you know, I, I would say as far as what you said, those are probably bigger moments than just getting some, you know, getting some respect from my teammates in high school. Like getting respect to other great players in the NFL was probably even more so. More more intense butterflies. Pre-game of Florida State, Miami or the Bills, Patriots for you in particular? Probably Florida State, Miami, man. I mean, those games, literally I remember watching those. Ed Reed on Miami, who's a good friend. But obviously, like Chris Winkie, Peter Ward, um, Derek Brooks, like I, I'm like, man, I'm really about to step into this legacy of guys on the same field, and you know, I actually enjoy. I love playing at Dope Campbell, which is the Florida State home field, but really playing down at Miami was always special because, for one, you're playing in Miami, which is beautiful. It's a great city. Um, and then everybody loves the U, like people that don't even go to Miami, the University of Miami, but they just happen to love the U because of the culture and because of really it, it, it was dope. It was cool. Like going to the U was like the cool thing. And so um, I would say probably more butterflies in those moments just because I knew the uh, the magnitude of that type of win. And I also knew the magnitude of, if you lost, you know what I'm saying? Like if you lost to Florida or if you lost to Miami, it, you know, it really didn't matter about the rest of the season. You know what I'm saying? You really wanted to win that state championship, and that's either between – well, now you got UCF who's playing well. You got USF. And so, um, yeah, those are special moments, though. And I can say I've never lost to Miami, and I've le- never lost to Clemson. So I'm proud of that. Lost. Yeah. Big time. Yep. <laughs> lost to Florida once and, uh, you know, actually twice. But, um, you know, Miami Miami and Clemson, I got those guys. Man, so – all right, so let's let's fast forward to back to today. How are you, how are you preparing for things? Like, tell us about your day. Like, what's what's your day like right now? Yeah. Um. So it's very similar. Obviously, it's now considered. Uh. You know, the the regular season is over in in the NFL. So obviously, I know that I won't be playing. 
uh, in the 2018 season. So now my focus is basically getting ready for the spring, which is free agency. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, getting, getting healthy and things like that. But, you know, I would say I start my day off at 630. Um, and whether that's like, you know, simple stuff like watching the news, catching up on the day or like eating breakfast and meditating, whatever. And then moving forward to going to working out. And I spend about two and a half to three hours each day during the week. You know, because that's my job. My job is to be healthy, be in shape, obviously study football and things like that. But I have no football to study right now. So, you know, the main thing I try to take advantage of is making sure I'm in the best shape that I can be when I do get a chance to go play for an NFL team. He trains at our spot, Ben. Yeah, I go to Sports Rehab oh, LA. Nice. Yep, down, nice. right down the street. And so, um, you know, I know Dr. Pat very well. I was actually just with him a few. Shout, few, shout out to Dr. Shout out Pat. Dr. Pat. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy, man. Get me right. And so, um, you know, that was probably my main first three things that I do in my day. And then by that time it's, you know, noon or one o'clock, get lunch, and then I'll start whatever I have going on and, you know, the rest of the day. So um, actually a lot of times I try to get, you know, some practice on broadcasting. So whether that's watching like a YouTube clip of a game and I'll watch it and I'll just do like the play-by-play -play analysis. So I'll put it on mute and I would just, you know, basically talk through a game, if that makes sense. So um, I would just say like, hey, you know, basically like the Kirk Herbstreets of the world, uh, the Desmond Howards of the world, how they do it for college football. And so I'll go back and, you know, I met a guy, uh, Jerry Madalone, um, who's one of the best uh, teachers of play by play or, you know, color analysis for college football. That's NFL. so cool. What's yeah, his name again? Jerry Madalone. And, um, you know, he's a consultant as well now. So pe people basically, you know, hire him to teach and to learn how to, you know, become a better broadcaster. And so he taught me a couple of techniques. And I'll just work those for, you know, an hour or two hours. And I feel like if you work at something at least an hour a day, you know, if you do that over three, four, five months, you know, consistently, you're going to get better about, get better at whatever that is, you know, naturally. Like that's just the law of consistency. If you work at something at least an hour a day, I feel like I'll continue to get better at it. And even though I'm not a broadcaster right now, I know someday I will be. And I feel like the time that I'm putting in right now will only help me for those times when I actually am a true broadcaster. I, I have to hand it to you because I feel like so many people can't there's so much opportunity, but if it's not right there in front yeah, of man. them, they can't do it. And it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. I, I, I'll be honest. It, it, it does take dedication to really tell myself to sit down and do it because there's so many other things you could be doing out here in L.A. Like the sun is shining. You could go hike Runyon Canyon. You know what I mean? Like you, there's a bunch you can do. You can go down Beverly Hills. You can go out here in the Ventura area and just hang out and go shopping and things like that. But for me, again, I... I have to have like a checklist in my day. So if I feel like I didn't work out, if I feel like I didn't study what I was supposed to study, I feel like I'm not getting any better. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that as a cliche. I just really feel, I don't, it's almost like if you don't eat your breakfast or you don't eat lunch that day, you feel hungry. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that's kind of, that's kind of me feeding whatever competitive nature I have going on. And so, you know, my next uh, venture right now is broadcasting. And so that's what I'm trying to put a lot of my focus into and um, I think it's going to only pay off. I mean, we could comes. be sitting here with like the best future <laughs> broadcaster. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Yeah, but no true. one's going to tell you that you of have course. to go you out and do it. it. You got to earn know? it. And like, I mean, it honestly, nobody told me. I had people that said like, hey, you can play in the NFL, but you got to put the hours in as well. You know, I can remember when I was 13, 14, instead of being out, you know, at Kings Dominion, you know, that's like the theme, the fun theme park, you know, back home. I was out on the field grinding during the summertime. I was out putting in the work, you know what I mean? And, you know. Fast forward five, six years, I'm looking up and I'm going to Florida State. Fast forward another four years, I'm getting drafted into the NFL. So I think, you know, all those moments and minutes that people that don't see, they end up equaling to, you know, success that people do see. EJ, very serious question that JD and I have here. Yeah. When's the podcast coming? 
when's the podcast coming? When's the podcast? Yeah, I'd say in the next two months. Um, yeah, you got a you got a theme in mind and and name you know, in mind. Maybe you guys can help me with that, man. Cause I I'm pretty I'm pretty broad right now, and I also need to figure out my demographic as far as the people that follow me. And I'm assuming I could use my social media for that. Obviously, everyone knows me as an athlete and as a football player. Um, that's where my following comes from. But I don't want my podcast to just be about sports. You know, I really want to. You know, I want to interview actors, artists, or musicians, um, people in Silicon Valley that you know have become who they are. Even people who are up and coming who have a great idea that they want to share. You know, what they want to do with the world. Um, activists. Uh, I want to talk about a bunch of different topics. And a good friend of mine, uh, Maddie Hundo, is his podcast name. Um, his his podcast is called Keeping It a Hundo. Not you know not to drop a name and no, all that. No, that's great. Wait, I, I yeah, you guys should check it out. It out. Yeah, cool. it's really good, man. And um, he doesn't have a huge following yet, but his his content is great. And uh, he has he he's had a couple great uh, people on on his on his pod actually. Uh, Myron Roll, I think you guys probably are familiar with. Um, Myron was on his most recent, and so um, Matt's a good friend of mine. He's probably gonna be my co-host on the show, and so. I don't, I don't know. know. The, I, I think the, the, light, the light bulb just turned on. Yeah. Tell me if you think this is corny. Okay. The manual. The manual. I like that. <laughs> the manual. <laughs> you feel I like me? that. I like that. I actually me? like that. You know what I'm saying? I like that. The manual. The manual. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's and then and then it's like it's easy to search. You know what I mean? Like if it's my last name, like yeah. EJ somehow will pop up, but. I'm excited for it, man. I mean, really to get to a point where you guys are, you know what I'm saying? And allowing people like myself to come on and tell their story and, um, you know, really just just talk. Because I think everybody has a little nugget that can help other people in their lives. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to business or I don't care if you're an athlete. I don't care if you're a business person. I don't care if you're just a mom or a stay-at-home dad or whatever. Like, I think there's so many commonalities between all of us that, you know, there might be that one thing that I say might save somebody's life or that might be that one thing that I say might save somebody's marriage or, you know what I mean? Like, you never know. And so I think that's the beauty in having a podcast because you're able to put thoughts and emotions and feelings and you know, memories and all those types of things out in the airwaves and people can, you know, accept it or they don't have to listen if they don't want to, but, you know, some people will. Well, we're going to be sure to make, you the know, manual. to promote the I manual. Like promote I'm going to give JD some credit on that. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, bro. Absolutely, bro. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, we, I mean, this has been a great episode. Yeah, we got to have him back, man. I know, man. EJ, you are, you are very talented, man. Yeah, well, I actually would love to have you guys on my pod as well, man. We could do a collab or something like that. Oh, let's know. all go hang out. Yeah, let's do it. I think it'd be great. Yeah. EJ, thank you so much, man. I, Thanks, I'm man. impressed with everything you're doing. I can tell you're going to be successful in Thanks, man. just doing everything right, it feels like. Yeah. You know, I and uh don't listen to anyone out there yep. that's all i can tell you yeah. it sounds like you you don't yeah but man th- i'm just so impressed with everything yeah. you're doing thanks man i appreciate yeah. that yeah. absolutely appreciate you bro yeah. sir always, yeah. always. till next time yep appreciate you guys